John chapter 1, verses 6 to 8. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him he was not the light, but came to bear witness uh, about the light. Uh, That comes from the the Gospel of John. And uh, if you don't know, John is writing to actually answer a question, and that question is, who is Jesus? It's the, it's the standard alpha question, if you've ever come across an alpha co- course, but that is why he's writing. He's writing that uh, because he, he has got a heart to communicate who this person, Jesus, actually is. And uh, the reason is that, that already uh, people were saying that Jesus was a, just a good man, amongst many men uh, they, they were saying well you know uh, he's a prophet uh, and we can see that and he's, he, he's just like these guys uh, some people thought that he was uh, just a miracle worker and that was the way that it was he's just one of these guys uh, that are equal to other guys and so John pens, feels that God has spoken to him that's why it's in scripture because God speaks to him uh, uh, and he, he writes this letter Uh, which focuses completely on who Jesus is. Now, if you haven't got it yet, the the first first, uh, five verses are the verses that hit us with the introduction, uh, but if you like, the rest of the gospel is all about um, these five verses expanded. So in the first five verses you've got in John chapter 1, you, you, you find out that, it, that John explains exactly who this Jesus is. That's what he does. And he says, uh, he says look, look, the words of Jesus are the words of God. So when, when you heard Jesus speak, when you, when you listened to him, that, that wasn't just this person speaking, that was God. Uh, and the, the idea is, Got it? Okay, that's, that's that one. We've settled that one. And then through the book, you'll find out that he, he comes back to that time and time again. And then he says, look, uh, the, the works of Jesus are the works of God. So when, you know, some of the stuff that you saw God doing, some of the stuff Jesus was doing, some of the stuff you attribute over here, they, they're the same people doing the same things. Uh, and, uh, and then he clarifies that by giving this wonderful statement to answer all those questions about who is Jesus, is he a prophet, is he a good man, is he a miracle worker? And he goes, no, Jesus is also God. He's part of the Trinity. So, when, when, by the way, when, you, when he walked and talked, and when he was with you, and when you heard this, the person that was in front of you was actually God and explains that by saying, look, we know that because Jesus pre-existed before creation. Before creation uh, occurred, these are all in John chapter 1, verses 5, Jesus pre-existed. He was there. He was involved in the creation itself. Uh, And he goes on and says, so therefore, therefore, because he is pre-existent and because Jesus is God, all life actually comes from Jesus himself. So the reason that you live is because of him. Jesus is the giver uh, of life. And, and just as an example for that, he, he tells us, he says, uh, because Jesus is all-powerful. And you can see that. If I can take you right back 
to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3, and this is my only reference, Jonathan, to light. Um, we often do light and darkness as just ob- ob- opposites, don't we? I don't know if you've ever done that. Light's over here, darkness is over here. And I don't know whether I'm just nicking your illustration next week, or, or he hasn't prepared his sermon at all, and he's just going to nick this back. Uh, but actually, darkness and light are not opposites. They're never opposites. We, and we do that. We go light, dark, they're opposite. Uh, darkness is actually an absence of light. So thinking of that then, and thinking of Jesus, you get Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, when it says, God said, let there be light. So, uh, you know, there it is. God speaks, and Jesus speaks into this. So, and the idea is, in those first five verses, that what you're supposed to do is that you're supposed to get very, very excited. It's supposed to wind you up somewhat, a little bit. So I, I just want to stop now and ask you to smile at me in terms of the magnificence of Jesus. It's, it's, not, it's not that good. Thank you, Joanna. That was a... But the idea is, the, the idea of the writer is that by the time you've got to verse 5, you will be absolutely blown over with the magnificence of Jesus. Uh, and I, I don't know whether you thought, uh, when we were singing this morning, I just thought, uh, you know, uh, I think there's a song about, you know, a, a passion for Jesus in the last, last sort of song. And I just was thinking about that just as we were doing it. And uh, you realize that, you know, these people that give up everything for, for Jesus shouldn't just be related in the Bible. They, we, we tend to look at these people in the Bible and think, ah, they, they have caught something, but then there's me. And, and there's, there's not. The reason they're in the Bible is that they're keys for us. They are there to, to, to help us. They're not there as, as sort of superheroes that we admire. They're there so that we can experience what they did. So I, I want to ask you, do you think that you've caught the magnificence of Jesus? You, you can answer that yourself. The Apostle Paul gave us an answer to that. He just said, I count all things lost that I might gain Christ. And I think that's a key. I, I think that's a key for you and a key for me. That if, if I can count all things lost uh, uh, and uh, for the sake of Christ, there will be something that I can can gain in there. And I think what we try and do, uh, just in life in itself, in terms of Jesus, is that we we have this sort of strange thing, where where we have a diary that Jesus is fitted into, and 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 we try then and almost work ourselves emotionally up to feel something. You can't work yourself up emotionally to feel something that's fitted in your diary. Jesus has to be your diary. That's the way that he is. When Jesus is your diary, and actually what, what Jesus said himself is, is that seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. So if you seek him first, the thing that you're trying to fit life in around will actually get fitted in when you seek him. So Jesus is your diary, and that's what John does. John just says, you know, have you been taken up with the magnificent Jesus? Look at him. You know, he speaks the word of God. He does the works of God. He, he is God. He pre-existed before grace. He gives you life. He's all-powerful, and you're supposed to applaud. Okay, don't, but there you go. You can applaud if you like. 
So, here we go. Let's look at the passage. Uh, I'm going to try and do this very practically and very honestly. Are we going to look at first John the man? Verse 6. There was a, a man sent from God whose name was John. Let's just get this straight. We're now talking about John the Baptist. John, the writer, introduces the strange guy called John the Baptist. Or John, the baptizer. That's how we're supposed to know him. So let's just introduce you to John the Baptist, uh, just in terms of you guys. Okay, Uh, Mark chapter 1 and verse 6 says this, Now John was clothed with camel's hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey because he was a member of Gateway Church Wrexham. (laughs) I don't know whether you've ever realised this, that that God uses oddities. Do you find that? (laughs) That God actually uses strange... I'm going to do three confessions, and one I'm just hoping this will work, just to prove this, that God uses oddities. It's just the way that it is. Uh, And if if you don't think you're odd, that's why I've sat here, because I'm looking at you, Okay. (laughs) So I know that you think I'm odd. Here's, here's some of the things that, that, that are odd about Nigel Lloyd. Now, my wife could add some of these things, but uh, I, I'm just going to give you three oddities that, that are part of me. Um, I, 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 for re- relaxation, I love doing jigsaws. <laughs> I, I would rather do a jigsaw than watch the television or a film. You just think, you go, you sad person. (laughs) Okay, here's another one, and I'm just going to do this. Kelly, could you bring my bag, and I don't know whether this will work now, and just bring my bag here, just, and stand here. I I have an obsession with black big pens, (laughs) which have a medium nib, and just, uh, these are what I am carrying around, just... (laughs) Would you like to count them? This is just, these are just because of, um, uh, just in case of emergencies. I would never write in anything other than a, a, ba- a black big pen. So to, today to bring to church, there's 10. I have 10. That's just in case, you know. So if I meet you and I'm carrying the bag, I have 10. It's just another thing. Here's something else that you all know that at least once a month I will clean my trainers. And I don't just mean them, I clean them. I mean, I, I will scrub them white. It was part of my... Uh, now, here's a... I just want you to know this. Some oddities are sinful. Some oddities actually make the person that you are but that oddity does not stop you being used by God. As long as it doesn't get a little bit beyond the pale, as it were. 11 pens is beyond the pale. 11 pens is not beyond the pale. (laughs) What else do we find about John the Baptist? He's frail one moment, and the next time he's strong. Feel that? That you? That's me. If you, if you think about it, one, his, his behavior at one point 
uh, is such that what they say to him is, You've been, you, you must be mad. You're a mad guy. You've, you, you've got a demon. And, and he goes to bits. He, go, he literally just crumbles. Uh, and the next minute, he's out in the desert preaching to thousands. Isn't that you? Isn't that me? Aren't, aren't, I, aren't we mighty one day and, you know, just a, just a, a mess the next? Isn't that right? Did that stop God using him? No. Is that just normal life, guys? Yes. It's, we're, we are mighty, frail people. That's it. Live with it. It's just the way. But it didn't stop God using it. How about this then? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, I think describes him. But we have this treasure, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show the, the surpassing power that belongs to God. Isn't that how it is? Great things put in things that break very easily. That's me. I want you to know that although I'm the pastor of the church, that I can be so easily offended by a side remark and hurt. Do you know that? Do you know that you can hurt me? Do you know that I can hurt you? Do you you know that that's the way that it is? The treasure is actually in an earthen vessel. But that's the design. That's why there's this thing on the end that says what to do to show the surpassing power that belongs to God and not to us. It doesn't come out of our strength. It comes out of the fact that, isn't that strange that even in this frailty, God uses us? It's just an incredible thing. Uh, Here's here's just a, a passing thing. His name is John. Is there a theological point about that? Yeah. It's, his name's not Bill, David, or Nigel. It's John. And I think sometimes, you know, the way that we try and do it is we try and be other people. We look and we try and be other people. We try and say, if I was like them, if I was like them, if I could be like that, if I could only do like that, then that, that would be the answer to my life. Guys, it's never the answer to your life. God called you. It's you that's fearfully and wonderfully made. It's you that God chose. It's your name that's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. God made you. He made you, to do, he made you absolutely unique. I do not want a church full of Stephen Hawkinses. It's just, you know, we're not building clones here. We're building unique individuals with unique gifts, with, with a, a unique call of God, collectively together on mission together. That's what we're doing. And sometimes we just have to know, look, God calls John. He calls you. That's just, that's it. Um, so there we go. That's John, that's John the man. You all right with this? Okay, let's have another look then. Okay. Yeah, it's PowerPoint, that is. Uh, but uh, John, John sent. So let's, uh, let's have a look at this uh, in terms of the sentness of ourselves. Uh, verse 6, there was a man sent from God uh, whose name was John. John is assigned to a task from God. And that's what God would want you to know. God would want you to know that you have been assigned to a particular task from God. That's just the way that it is, guys. Okay? So if you look at it, you think about this. 
Uh, We start off in Matthew chapter 11, verse 11. Truly, I say to you, amongst those born of women, there has uh, arisen no one greater than John the Baptist, yet one who is the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Do you hear that? Can you hear that? The Bible attributes him as equivalent to Moses, equivalent to Elijah, equivalent to the other prophets. So he's up there. He's sort of, you know, the Holy Trinity, Elijah, Moses, John the Baptist. But that is not where God attributes you. And you look at people like Moses and Elijah uh, and great prophets, Jeremiah, and you look at these people, Joseph and, and David, and you look at all these people, and Jesus says, you are greater than them. Now, what do I need to do to batter that into your little heads? Because the problem that we have today is, is in terms of worth. People feel they have no self-worth. And part of the battle for realizing how much we are sent is actually realizing who we are in Christ. And here is a wonderful example of what, what Jesus thinks about you and I. That Jesus thinks that we, to, we are greater than John the Baptist. Can you imagine that? Now, I've never baptized thousands. I've never preached to thousands. I've never done half of the stuff that, that, that John the Baptist has done. But this I know, that Jesus thinks of me this highly. Now, this has to get into your skin. It has to get into your head. Because if you, if you think of yourself outside of these things, it will affect everything about your life. So here's the, that's the first thing about how much do I know I'm sent? Here's the first. You are sent with a greater purpose than John the Baptist. You great lot, you. Okay? That's the first thing. You are in Christ. Here's another thing. Uh, His sentness wasn't affected by his parents. I won't ask you how many have weird parents. It's a good job my daughter's not here. (laughs) Or my other daughter. Sometimes, you know, there is so much in our life that we put down to, you know, it's it's, it's my parents' fault. I, I, you know... My dad, was, I was full, my dad was 40 when I was born. He was old. He, he was bald and grey hair and had no teeth. Uh, you know, that was my first thing. You know, like little Judah, when I sort of began to realise what my dad is, I realised he got no teeth. Well, it's everybody else's dad got teeth and mine hasn't. You know, that sort of stuff. You know, he put them in a cup by the side of his bed at night. You know, Steridant. Was it Steridant? Do you remember that? Can he still buy Steridant? That was my, my mum and dad. And what we do is we go, oh, it's, it's, it's the parents' fault, you know. I am like I am because of the parents. It's all to do with them. It's their personality. It was inflicted on me. Do you know that, don't you? You know, my dad was a bully. You know, uh, my mom was overprotective. You know, my feminine instincts have come out of me, Nigel, because my mom overprotected me. Can I just say rubbish <laughs> to this? We can't go, can we, that we are a unique person and then go, it's my parents. The two don't measure up, do they? You know, I'm unique. You all like that one. I'm John. 
I'm unique in God. God called me specifically. My name are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. All that. So do you remember all that? We did all that, and then you go, oh, oh yes, but it's my parents' fault. Come on. Here, here they are. What is this? John the Baptist. Look at this. Zachariah and Elizabeth. Barren and advanced in years. That's a great world to be born into, isn't it? Barren and advanced in years. But that did not stop God sending John and having a purpose for John in his life. Didn't. They were as odd as him. Here's the other one about the the parents. Zechariah was a priest in the temple. Now that's the old adage of, ah, you know, parents were Christians, you know, wouldn't have survived without them. You know, or the red herring of, you know, parents were non-Christians. You know, it's just, you know, if you only knew and all that sort of stuff. Let's just do this. Look, God, God there's, there's no rewards here. It, it isn't like that. God doesn't re- reward you according to... So it wasn't sort of Zechariah and, uh, and, you know, well, he served in the temple, you know. It's like sort of saying this, you know, my dad was a deacon, so because he was a deacon in the church and he set out the communion, do you remember those, for any of those that were involved in formal churches? My dad's job set out the communion. Fill the little ribena into the little glasses. That sort of stuff. Cut the, we had little bread, we had squares and we cut them up into little squares like that. My mum's job was to wash that up. That was, the, that was his diaconate service. Because my dad did service in the church, I was not the reward I wasn't, you know, for 17 years of, re- of diaconate service, I-, I will give you Nigel. <laughs> well, that's probably a punishment. Or, 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 the, or the other way round, you know, the, it isn't sort of, you know, the, you, you weren't born oddly. You can't believe that God sends you and, and then think, and then you get saved, and, and look at it in any other terms of God sent you. The parents happen to be this, but God sent you. That's the, that's the magnificent thing. Every one of you was born at the right time to the right parents in the right circumstance, because God sent you. That's it. It's just wonderful. You know, so, you know, it didn't matter. Here's, uh, you've heard me say this. My, my dad fought in, in, uh, in, in World War II, uh, and, and, and God was going to keep him alive because God was sending me. It's just extraordinary. God sends you. It, it's, it, it's, it's not, you know, my, my, in the, the apple of your father's eye and all that sort of stuff. You know? No, God, God sent you. You, you are that... The other thing about John, uh, poverty didn't stop him, that, that sort of thing. And neither did trouble, society, political upheaval stop John being sent. Those things, those things were there. Sometimes we think, well, actually, I'm, this, is what, this is what Callie says to me. Uh, and then I chase her around the room. Callie says to me, we watch period dramas. Is that, I think all ladies watch period dramas. Uh, we have to watch Downton Abbey. I don't understand a thing about Downton Abbey. It's just my... It's, it's, it's on series record. You know, such is the seriousness of this. We have to watch it and all that sort of stuff. Um, 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 what, you can, what you can often do is that you can, you can think that... Callie says this when she's watching these things. 
do you know, I would have been better off being born into that era. She said, oh, and she says things like when she sees them baking all that sort of stuff in Downton Abbey, she goes, that, that, that should have been me. <laughs> no. No, you, you, you're sent. You know, if it, was, if it was you, you'd have been back there. You know, no, come on. Your birthday is exactly right. It is. You know, when you sign your birthday, when I, here it comes, so you've got to remember this because it's coming up. 14-12-1956. Write down 14-12 because uh, presents, okay? 14-12-1956 is absolutely right in God's terms. There is no mistake. You were sent. God sent you. That's how it was. God sent John. So can you please stop looking to your past, good or bad, in regard to who you are, and what matters God sent Jesus God sent John God sent you all of them are exactly right and coming to terms with it okay right now we get on to the little technical but look at that okay where are we oh let me just mention this one thing can I just mention this thing about Acts chapter going back Acts chapter 17 Have you ever read this? Acts chapter 17, verse 26. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined the allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. You can't argue with that really, can you? You know, no, God sent. Okay, Um, next then, God's uh, witness. He came uh, to witness. So how does that change then? It changes something like this. Firstly, if you look at it, the way that we've gone is that we understand who we are in God, we understand our our sentness, and once we've understood those things, it is not difficult understanding that our sentness is to witness. Okay, let's go through that one just a little bit then. (laughs) To use the word witness is to... Testify. It's the language of a, a courtroom. That's what is being used in these verses here. It's that I am here to give evidence. So now we know why, why we're here. I'm here to give evidence, if you like, uh, in the trial of Jesus. The, 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 if you like, the world versus Jesus. And we, we, in that picture, what we've been asked to do is come and stand in the dock, or whatever they call that bit where they make you stand and swear on the Bible, or the Koran, whatever country you're in, but, but where they make you stand on something. That's what, that's what we're here to do. We, God has sent us to, to stand up and to testify in regard to Jesus. That's our purpose. So the answer to the big questions of like, why am I here? What's my aim in life? What's my purpose? Is summed up in this, that we are his witnesses. So there's the, there's the trial, and that's what you do. So you, you know why you are here now. You know, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what I should do. You know, should I do this and do that? No, I am here to stand in the dock for Jesus. That's, that's why I'm here. That's why I was born. That's why uh, I was born at this time. That's why I was born in the environment that's, uh, that I'm in. So let's just look at those sort of things. Because uh, some of them are extraordinary 
and some of them are not. Some of them are difficult. Because I think terms, what we think of in terms of witnesses is power. I said I wouldn't shout, but I nearly did then. But we do, don't we? We think, we've, you know, when I have the power, I can go and win. You know, we sort of do things like that. You know. I, I used to preach uh, on a regular basis. Kelly will confirm this. Uh, in, uh, in Lewis Town Centre. So I'd stand up on a Sunday, Sunday morning, Saturday morning, and I'd open my Bible and I would preach. Fortunately, there was some 40 people behind me. They were about three yards behind me. They weren't standing with me, the ratbags, but they stood behind me. They would sing some songs and then they would let me loose and I would preach. You know, and, uh, and sometimes we can often get things, you know, you know witnesses, when I've got the power, I will be in you know, Eagle's Meadow with the power and sort of do the. It doesn't help. It really doesn't help. I think sometimes one of the things that I think, please, if this can this can go, can we blow up the God Channel? <laughs> <laughs> it's just impossible, isn't it? Really, it just done out, really, because you just see these guys. You know, you just think that it, you know. Uh, no, shut up, Nigel. That's just. Not <laughs> it. But it just is, isn't it? Uh, okay. How do we? How do we? Uh, witness then. Let's start. Let's look at the life of John the Baptist. Let's start at the beginning. Uh, Luke chapter 1 verse 39 to 41. In those days Mary arose and went with haste to the hill country to a town of Judah. She entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Here is John for the first time encountering Jesus and in the womb he gets excited and he does a, he does a Mexican wave and a twirl and a, a triple somersault in the, in the womb. He meets with Jesus and is excited about it. Uh, and it is, it is the first key point. There has to be a little bit about passion in terms of your salvation and in terms of what God has done for you. You are not going to tell anybody anything until you have caught how magnificent Jesus is. You just ain't going to do it. If Jesus is not that important, you just, you know, and you have to get, Jesus has to do something. He really does. So John comes in, this is, this is, you know, we often say this is the fetus or this is the, the, the unborn child. I think that's a great example. If the unborn child can do a dance for Jesus, the 55-year-old one can too. Can't I, you know, this is the unborn child. Here's Jesus and he's going, oh, oh he's giving it some. And you just think, okay, you know, tell me about your Jesus. It's, this is the unborn child. I mean, how many times have you really learnt from the unborn child? Here's one. You know, Judah, teach us. He even did the little handy bit. You know, they did, I don't know if you noticed. He did the little handy bit. It's, uh, you know. yeah. the, the other thing is, we, we have to get... Uh, it, um, verse 8 says this. It clearly says about John the Baptist. Sorry, Jonathan, I'm just going to mention that one again. It says, he's not the light. What does that mean? That it's not about Jesus. It is about, it, it's not about you. It's about him. And sometimes, often, witnessing is all about you. We can't do this. They're horrible. You know, that sort of thing. There's giants in the land. Haven't you seen them? 
And, and we talk about things. And we, we've really got a, a, a fear mentality that exists. So what do Christians do? We hate Muslims. Why are we doing that, guys? Why, 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 have, why are we living in fear? Why are we doing that? You know, the, look, it's not about us. It's about him. It really is. We're, and we've, we've developed this sort of almost church fear mentality where we've sort of locked ourselves into tabernacles and sanctuaries and stuff like that. And out there, it's, do you not know how horrible it is out there? You know, we, we sort of, you know, ooh, unclean, you know, that sort of stuff. You know, oh, my goodness. And it's got like, no, look, come on, it, you know, it's not about you. It's about him. And guess what? They're quite nice out there, actually. They really are. Uh, and it, I think we need to just do something in us. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day, G, uh, he saw Jesus coming towards him and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What could John do? John could explain what Jesus did. He just, he just looked at him. And you think, that is not the greatest uh, thing, is it? And he just goes, look, guys, here's Jesus. He, that's the guy that takes the sin of the world. It's all right. That's, that's, that's an okay thing to do, isn't it? He, he just was able to just say a little bit about the sacrificial nature. So, you know, he's excited about it. He's, he realizes he's not about him. He can explain why Jesus came in a short statement and he leaves it. Because sometimes all we've got is a short statement. You, you're not asked to preach for long. That sort of stuff. Um, how about this one? Mark chapter 1, verse 9. And he preached, saying, He preached, saying, uh, after, me comes, uh, who he, uh, after me comes he who is mightier than he, the strap of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. What's that about? I just think Jesus is great compared with me. That's all that he's saying. He's, that's how he's doing it. He's just sort of saying, you know, he's not giving a theological expression. He's not, underst- he's not understanding the atonement. He's not understanding justification by faith. He's not understanding redemption. He's not doing that. He's just going, you know, this Jesus, I just think he's great compared with me. And that seems to do for him. And some, some of us need to be wholly released that that is acceptable. You know, I love Jesus and he's great and, and, and he's much better than me. And you go, oh, you know, be released. It's okay. I, I like this. John chapter 1, verse 33. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom the Spirit descends and remains, this, this is he who baptizes you with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it isn't just... It's even saying things like... Because it's what John's doing. He's going, he's going okay, um, uh, 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 this is what Jesus will do. And you can do that. You can just say to people, this is what Jesus does. He does this and he does that and he does the other. I have seen him do this, do the other, do the other. It's, it's, it's a witness. It's a testimony. It's, it's what God is calling us to do. See, and we, we lose all this, don't we? The, they were, they're all in there, different styles, different ways doing them. But what, is it all victory? Is it all evangelism for the sake of God? Because it, it can be a bit like that, can't we? You know, 
The, the, I don't know if you've ever noticed this. There are those in churches that have an evangelist. They are the, the radical ones, the fearless ones. They go out there. Let's just get this right. Everybody blows it at some time. And you are going to go into situations and you're going to look like a big umbrella, okay? You're just going to look, you're just going to muck it up, okay? And what you have to believe then is that God is sovereign. Because it's pointless us believing that God is sovereign and they go, oh no, I mucked it up. You know, you know, I was at the checkout till and, I, and I, I, you know, I, I gave the Trinity as four things instead of three, you know, and you think... <laughs> You just we do all that stuff, don't we? You know, I, I, you know. I prayed like no, I, I have prayed publicly that Jesus. You know, I just t- said, "Don't you know that Jesus rise, rose and died again?" You know, you do that. You'll get it in a minute. <laughs> you'll do these things. It will just happen. You know, because you'll all be sort of jangling. You go, what happens? And you go, this is my moment. And then the moment comes out, doesn't it? And, it? and it goes wrong. And you go, and then you then you start into flagellation and stuff like that. You stupid idiot! I'll never do that again. And you just go into that. Look at. Can I read you this? This is John the Baptist. This is John the Baptist. <laughs> Luke chapter seven, nineteen to twenty-three. How long have we got? Five minutes. I'll finish in a minute. Uh, Calling two of his disciples to him, this is John, he sent them to the Lord saying, are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? (laughs) What? This is the, the unborn jumpy thing. And he sent two of his people and he said, go over there and go, have I got this wrong? Uh, And... When, and when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us, so they didn't own it. John, John the Baptist sent me, saying, are you the one who's to come, or shall we look for another? In that hour, he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. Uh, and on, on many uh, who were blind, he bestowed sight. And he answered them, saying, Go and tell John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers cleanse, and the deaf hear. The, the dead are raised. The poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Look, look guys, when we do this, when we're witnesses, there are huge times of questioning, and there are huge times of provoke your mess-ups. It's just the way that it is. It just is. But, but we, you cannot use that as your qualification to say, I'm not going again. Because that's what we do. We go, I, I mess this up emotionally. I, I, I don't feel that I'm saved anymore. I don't feel that I'm a Christian anymore. And then suddenly you just feel a little bit of, I'm on the edge here. The Spirit's on me. And you're in Tesco's. And the person asks you, um, you know, uh, is there hope for life? You know, is there a reason for life? Uh, and, and you look at them intensely uh, and, and you, you go, can I have cash back? <laughs> That does not disqualify you from being his witness. But it will happen. Please put it on your agenda that you will feel bad and mess it up. Okay?
It's just that if John the Baptist messes it up, you are going to mess it up. If John the Baptist questions his faith, you're going to question your faith. It does not stop you being his witnesses. You, you, you just, you, you just got to go, you know, you are just an idiot. Okay, should we round this off? Okay, let's finish it off. And I won't guess along this time. Just drag it on. The purposes of John. He came uh, uh, as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe him through him. If we can catch our human frailty and yet our incredible privilege of being chosen and the incredible privilege of being used by God, we can, um, we can know that we can bear fruit. The idea of being a witness is that you will bear fruit. Here it comes in here. He came as a witness to bear witness about life that, that all might believe through him. So if we can just muster this and do it, we can know, guaranteed, that people will believe. Now, I want to say that to you again, because this is Scripture. You're not arguing with me here. You're arguing with Scripture. If you can put those things, be excited about Jesus, perhaps explain in short this, the nature. Do, you know, just say, look, this is what I found about Jesus. All those things. This is what Jesus does. Even if I mess up, even if I feel bad, you need to know this, that Scripture tells us that the purpose was that all might believe, that your message has power. It's the power of God unto salvation. It is not powerless. You are are not standing next to somebody saying, would you please watch Downton Abbey next week? This will change your life. That comes with a certain amount of integrity, but powerless. Okay? Let's just measure this up. I'm just saying this for my wife's purpose and nothing else. It, it, it does not change your, your, your life. This comes with the power to change a person's life, even in terms of the message that you have given them. The bumbled, stumbled message can change a person's life because it has the power of God with it. So, look at this. John the Baptist. This is how it works. John the Baptist, up he gets again, wakes up, has his honey, locusts, straps on his belt, doesn't shower, gets out in the desert and, does, and, and, and behaves like the oddest character that you can think of. He has his big pens, his jigsaws, and his clean trainers, and out he goes, okay? This is how he goes. So I want you to imagine, this is me. Big pen, jigsaw, white trainers. The next day, Nigel was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as they walked by, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God. I have to say, that is the most rubbish gospel message isn't it, it's incomplete it's insufficient it is not good, it's theologically parts are missing but he goes, behold the Lamb of God that will not work, Nigel the two disciples heard him say this and, and they followed Jesus Jesus turned and he saw them following and he said to them what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and you will see. So they came and they saw 
uh, where they were staying and they stayed with him that day. It was about the 10th hour. One or two who heard John speak and following Jesus were Andrew and Simon, Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and he said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means the Christ. He brought him to Jesus and Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. Uh, You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Isn't that absolutely amazing? That what John the Baptist does is he sort of goes, behold, the Lamb of God. And two people go, okay. And then those two people go and go, you should see what we're following. Do you see the knock-on effect with that? It was incomplete. It, it, it had apparently, it was, you know, if you live in, sorry, Phil, if you're listening to this, it, it, it was not Christianity Explored or Alpha. <laughs> the primary one, Phil Harmon, if you're listening, being Christianity Explored and of God, the other one, not. And, but what? <laughs> just so that you're listening to this and you know that I'm with you filling this. But if you could understand, he wasn't anything like that whatsoever. He just goes, behold the Lamb of God. And two people go, yeah, okay. And then those two people go, we'll get two. So they didn't even have them. They had half of that. And they go, this is the ways of our God. This is the way that God does it. He takes these people, these frail, odd people, and he gets them, and he puts his life within them, and his power upon them, and he uses the words to transform people's lives, even though they say it wrongly. And amazingly, he says this, and four people follow. This is you, folks. Oh, okay. So I'm going to finish with this. John chapter 15, verse 7. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Let me just clear this up. This is not the fruit of sanctification. This is that, if you're thinking that, that's biblically and theologically incorrect. The bear fruit wasn't, now I'll be a little bit more patient than I am before. He didn't choose you to be patient. He, 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 this is in the context of salvation. It's salvation. He chose you. I chose you. I appointed you to be born at this time. I placed it in this frail humanity. I have called you that you would bear fruit. And what would your fruit be? It will abide. So whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give to you. So what does he do? Jesus sets us apart. He chooses us. The emphasis is that you should go. Bear fruit. We should be, church, expanding because of this. And it will have an enduring quality. Amen, little John the Baptists? Okay.